Hey everyone, welcome to the Hometown Fresh Podcast, the show that talks all things grocery, customer service, career development, and more. I'm Gracie, social media coordinator for Harps Food Stores, and today we'll be hearing from our loss prevention specialist and former detective at the Fayetteville Police Department, Travis Lee. Travis plays an integral role in the company by surveilling store cameras and transactions, dealing with customer and employee theft, and combating scammers company-wide. How are you today, Travis? I'm good, thank you. Good. Did you have a good weekend? I did. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Did you do anything fun? No. um, When you have kids and different projects, their ages. just Different projects. How old are your kids? Uh, 14, 18, and 20. All girls? Mm Mm-hmm. All girls. (laughs) <laughs> That's their, fun. I love them to death, but there's always something going on. Oh, wait, I need pants for this party, or I need shoes, or, you know, it's like, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just kind of do my own thing and, you know, let the girls do what they need to do. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any plans this weekend? No, I'll probably mow and um, maybe hopefully not work too much. We'll see. Yeah. Good. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, today I think we're going to be talking about catching hot checks and kind of POS 101. Um, so just talking to the associates about what to do during certain transactions with checks and money orders, credit versus debit cards, that sort of thing. Am I kind of on the right track with that? Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. So I know we got to know you a little bit in the last podcast episode that you were featured in, Avoiding Scammers with Travis Lee, but go ahead and give us another summary of your career and what you do here at the company. Okay. Um, I worked at the Fayetteville Police Department for quite some time. I was there for about 12, 13 years. Uh, majority of my time was in the CID role, detective. Uh, so I investigated rapes, robberies, homicides, thefts, you name it. And so one of my specialties I got really good at was interview interrogations. And so that's kind of the core of what um, I kind of do here at HARPS to get you know the information that we need about whatever's going on. Because it's important because you know our role in loss prevention is kind of the same role as a police officer. We protect the innocent because there's sometimes employees aren't doing what we think they might be doing and uh, or vice versa so we gotta make sure we're getting all the facts and that's part of it yeah mm-hmm. cool Travis frequently stops in advertising to tell us what's going on in his life and honestly we have a lot of interesting conversations about interrogation and just that sort of thing I, I usually have questions about so how do you know if xyz and i like to watch all the crime shows and stuff so i ask you a lot of questions (laughs) yeah we do get off on kind of rabbit holes about different things that i've done and different tactics that i might use for truth telling and things like that there's a it's kind of a science behind it yeah and for uh, those that are listening, um, you know, like one thing that someone might do if they're not telling you the truth is they might look the other way. Our bodies don't naturally want to lie. So when we do lie, our bodies tell us, hey, this is hard. We don't like to do this. This is going against the grain. So what happens is you might cover your mouth when you're telling a lie or you might tell the lie somewhere else. You're not looking somebody in the eye. You're looking away from them. Or you might cough out the lie. You might say, yes, I, I did. I went to Harps. I was there at eight o'clock. <clears throat> <clears throat> and then you're coughing out the lie. And so there's different things that you pick up on, different things that uh, over the years you start uh, really monitoring people and gauging how they're responding, and um, you start to really figure out uh, the body language of that. So, Your phone. Oops. Um, yeah, no, that makes me nervous too. So Travis has like cop eyes. Like I'll tell people he comes in the room and looks at you like he knows what you did, even though you didn't do anything. It, Anyways, he just has that presence yeah now I'm anxious because I tend to like look around the room when I'm talking to people and it's not because I'm lying or anything like I'm doing right now I'm 
doing it right now. Yeah, but when I, um, it'd be different if I asked you a direct question about something or okay. talking about something. When you're just, that's your natural, uh, the way you talk. So that's not. Okay. There, there's no red so flags I'm like, there. Travis is studying me right now <laughs> yeah. and I don't like it. No. Okay. So today we're going to be discussing point of sale protocol and how to detect different kinds of scams at the time a transaction occurs. And I want to start off by asking you what the difference between a credit and a debit card is and how should those transactions be handled according to the type of card or the total ticket price. Okay. So I don't know if people know this or not. Some do, probably some don't. Debit and credit cards. Debit card is your money. That's all, every bit of it's your money. So you have a pin code. The banks, um, they care about the money, but if you have some kind of dispute on your debit card, the banks more than likely are never going to reverse it uh, because it's your money. It's not their money. Now, credit cards, that's their money. USA Bank, those big capital ones, um, you dispute something on the credit cards, they're going to reverse it because it's their money and they're not getting stiffed. And so they're going to stiff the store. And so that's why it's so important for us. We can't accept, you know, for money orders, we don't accept uh, credit cards because it can just be reversed regardless of whether or not the person was a valid transaction or not, or it can be stolen credit card, they'll get reversed in a heartbeat. If someone steals your debit card and they know your PIN, um, it's not going to get reversed because it's a civil issue. Uh, it's a long story, but that means they know you well enough to know the PIN and the banks aren't going to reverse it. It's just not going to happen. And so different transactions that require an ID, for example, like if we have a, um, a large order that comes through nine o'clock at night and if someone's paying with a credit card, you might go ahead and ask for an ID, especially if it's over a certain dollar amount. I'd say two, 300 bucks for sure. Ask for an ID. Even though we ask for an ID and we still confirm that that ID and that picture is them and then the name on the card matches everything, they can still reverse it, but it gives the, us a better leg to stand on if we're trying to fight the battle of this reversal. So now we asked for an ID. We confirmed it was our card. It got ran. It got chip read. All that matched. Everything should be good. We shouldn't lose this. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that we have a certain procedure for money orders. So what does that look like for store employees? For money orders, we only do a certain amount. You know, you can only do $1,000 pretty much a day, and one person can only do $1,000. And so you don't want to go over that amount. If you do go over that amount, uh, there needs to be a SARS report filled out. So that's a special action report, or I forgot what it's called. But it basically alerts the IRS and everybody else saying, hey, this is a special case. We proved it to this person. This is what they're doing. This is why they're doing it. But for money orders, again, it's cash, debit card, no checks, no credit cards to purchase these things. And don't be afraid to ask questions. It's okay. Hey, what's this for? Who are you buying? This? Who are you sending this to? What you know? It's okay to ask questions because you're protecting them. You're not invading their privacy or anything like that. If they don't want to tell you, they won't tell you. But more than likely, they'll be more than happy to tell you what it's for and what it's about and the same thing as gift cards. So you also mentioned that if somebody is paying with a credit card or a check, we're supposed to ask for a form of ID just to validate it. So why are our associates supposed to see some form of ID when someone is paying with check or credit card? Is that for every transaction that they're paying with that form of payment? Or is there a specific instance when they should look for that? No, definitely every transaction. And okay. the first reason for like, we'll say for checks, you know, why do we ask for an ID for check? You know, it's hard. I understand it's hard to uh, ask for an ID, especially whenever it's an elderly person or it's somebody who you maybe you've seen before in the store and you know there's nothing wrong with them. But the problem is that if it ever does go like a bounce check or if it's ever a stolen check or anything like that and we don't ask for an ID and we don't confirm the person who's writing the check, prosecutor, when they get this check, say it's bounced or say it's stolen or whatever the case may be, they're going to want to see the information on, to prove who actually wrote the check. Mm-hmm. Because so when we ask for the ID, we, we match the name on the check to the government issued ID and then we write down 
down the information, their address, their date of birth. And of course, if the name's the same, you don't have to write down the name. Um, you just confirm that the ID shows that this is the name that's on the check. And so now you're telling the prosecutor that this person was the person who wrote this check. He mm-hmm. owns this check. He or she owns this check. And so now if it does bounce, um, they have all the proper information to prosecute this person for the hot check. Um, if we don't have that information and say they just wrote on their part of an address or sometimes we see there's not even a name on the check, but there's not the proper information as a prosecutor to prosecute this and they don't know if it's the right person or not, how can they prosecute the case? They don't, they can't. Yeah. And so that's why we asked for the ID. And the confrontation part of it's hard because you're basically telling the customer, I don't believe you're telling me who you are. Yeah. And that's where you can easily, once you understand why we're doing what we're doing, because a lot of associates don't know. Why don't we ask for an ID? Who can mm-hmm. I need to see your ID? You know, and then they might just barely glance at it and then put it down. They don't write any information down. They do nothing because they weren't properly trained. And we just need to understand why we're doing what we're, you know, what we're doing there at the POS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like... Um, if I ever use a, a $50 or $100 bill and somebody, I see an associate like hold it up to the light or I see them use that, that pen to check and make sure it's real. I know it's real, you know, or I mean, as far as I know, it's real. But then I always get that little bit of like, oh, they think I'm lying. Exactly. And you know, that, but that's, I mean, I understand why they have to do it, but I'm glad they're doing it and not just like taking it out my work. Cause what if I was yeah. scamming them? And it's hard. I like know. I get it. I, I mean, I know I've been a cashier before and I remember uh, having to ask people, Hey, can I see your ID? And you, you get like the, you know, kind of a look or, I mean, sometimes you might get that, but most mm-hmm. of the time customers are like, oh yeah, sure. Here you go. And you know, they're happy to give it to you. And yeah, but you're basically in a, in a small, subtle, non-confrontational way. You're saying, I don't believe who you are and I need to see an ID, you know? Yeah. And you're not doing that. All you're doing is matching what their payment is. So if their credit card has their name, Gracie, and, and that's what their ID says and the, the picture matches them and everything matches up, uh, you're good to go. And then same thing with a check. You match the name uh, on the, on the ID to the check and then write down the information that's on the ID and the date of birth. The date of birth is something that is real important because police can track. That's how police identify you. If you ever encountered a police officer, he might say, hey, what's your name? What's your date of birth? That's mm-hmm. exactly how they run you through the system. It's called ACIC. That's Arkansas Crime Information or NCIC is National Crime Information. And that's how everything gets stored and how everything kind of gets interpreted back to the police and how they, everybody stores this information. Mm-hmm. So date of birth is very important. So if you're writing something on a check, you write their name down there, definitely write their date of birth down there. Address is not as important, only to the fact of that's what their address was, and that's what it says on the ID. People's addresses change. It happens, but it's still important to write down the, the information. So what happens if somebody gives you an ID, but it's a fake ID, and then it was a hot check, and they come to find that customer later, and you can't find them because it was a fake address and date of birth and all of those things. Picture's the same, but all the information's wrong. Yeah, so that definitely be a forgery then. So the check would be a forgery. You'd make a police report, and we get them all the video that we can get them. And uh, they maybe can take fingerprints from the check. They can, the police can do that. They, um, they have a, like a little aquarium tank. They can put some super glue in. They put the check in there and it'll display all these fingerprints on there. And mm-hmm. so if we ever do take a forgery check or forged check, uh, be careful on how you're touching it. Kind of hold it from the side, put it in an envelope and preserve it for the police to investigate it properly. But if they have a fake ID and a fake account, all that kind of stuff, you can't help that. I mean, mm-hmm. as long as we're doing our job as best we can, we can't help the forgery. That's, that's happen that's part of the business right yeah so for some of our listeners who may be wondering explain to us what a hot check is and how to tell if someone is probably trying to give you a hot check at the register well there's really no true way to determine if someone has a hot check basically hot check is basically not having enough money in the account when they write the check essentially the bill is uh, 48 dollars, and you have 28 dollars in there uh, you wrote it for 48 bucks 
it's going to bounce. It's a hot check. Mm -hmm. And so in the flip side of that, if we don't write down the proper information, though, on the check from the person who's writing it, and when it goes to the prosecutor, the prosecutor is going to say, um, no, thank you. They're going to deny it. And we loop out the money because he doesn't know who wrote the check and we didn't do the proper information and take the information. And so, but the only thing I'd be suspicious on for a hot check would be nine o'clock at night, 930 at night. It's getting close to closing time and someone's got a full cart of groceries. You know, it's like three, four hundred dollars worth of groceries and they're writing a check and they're 20 something years old. Mm-hmm. Nobody in their 20s is writing a check. And I especially, yeah, I just, you might write checks to businesses maybe when you're mailing it for bills, things like that. But very rarely mm-hmm. do people in their 20s and their 30s even, I don't write checks ever. I, I don't know when yeah. last time I wrote a check at a store. Mm. It's such a pain, and uh, most people have cash or debit or a credit card. And so if it's 9 o'clock at night and it's a cart full of groceries and they have a check, you might just refuse it or call me or you ask for a second form of ID. So you ask for an ID, you match everything up, and then you say, hey, can I see a second form of ID? And a second form of ID is a credit card, anything, a library card, anything with their name on it. Mm-hmm. And th- that would give you an idea of that's probably a legitimate check. We can't tell for sure if it's hot or not, but we can reasonably say this is the person who's writing the check. Yep, got him. Yep. That second form of ID. Yeah, because most people, em. whoever's listening, you know everyone has another form of ID. Some form of ID has your name on it. People who are thieves and uh, forgers, they don't. They never mm-hmm. have another form of ID on them. They might have one form of ID because it's stolen, but they never have a second form of ID ever. Mm-hmm. So it's okay to ask that. I need to see another form of ID, especially if we're protecting harps. You can always blame me. You can say, well, loss prevention requires us to do this. You know, mm-hmm. I can get them on the phone if you want me to. You can talk to him personally. And I'll answer the phone and I'll talk to him mm-hmm. and I'll take all the blame. That's hilarious. So side note, my mom used to say that to me when I was a teenager. If I didn't want to go somewhere, I could blame it on her. So I would be like, ah. My mom said no, and they would they'd be like, you're 17 years old. And I'd be like, darn, Sorry. those dishes. Yeah, so kind of like that, blame Travis. Yeah. I also have another side story. So my family is big on, or used to be big on pranking. Like, we're really good at it, but kind of too good at it. So one year for April Fool's Day, my dad pranked my mom by, he had a cop buddy. So he calls this guy. He's like, hey, can you come to our place of work and arrest my wife and tell her, like, you're under arrest for writing hot checks all over town and like blah 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 we got to take you down to the station so we did he put my mom in handcuffs put her in the back of this cop car and my dad was like no she didn't do anything wrong he like he's playing the whole part you know and he goes inside with this cop friend and they're both like he like snickering let my mom sit in there for like 10 minutes like yeah. thinking that she had gotten caught for hot checks or something and <laughs> she was like i'm not writing hot checks and they were like yeah tell that to the tell that to the judge you know <laughs> like <laughs> Um, that was just a side story, but we're talking about it, so it made me think of it. Yeah, I've had people ask me to do stuff like that. I usually tell them no because there's a whole slew of things, reasons why I wouldn't do that, unless I really was really close to the family. Okay. And so very few, actually, I, really, I don't think I've ever done that. I've never just false arrested somebody just for the fun of it, just because someone wanted me to play a prank on them. Only because you get in that sticky situation, you're you're not above reproach. Officers have to be above reproach on everything, so they can't be faking anything. They can't be, if you mm-hmm. really want to get down to the business of a cop and um, that's kind of how that is. So, anyways, there's more to it than that. But oh, well, yeah. good thing I don't know that cop's name. Yeah. Good thing I didn't out yeah. him just now. Mm-hmm. No, that's funny. Back to the hot checks. What constitutes prosecution? for hot checks like how how does that whole process work so somebody writes a hot check goes to the bank the bank says hey we don't have enough money in here they send it back to the business who took the check um, now we have this check that's it's worthless pretty much because it says we don't there's not enough money in there so then you send it to the prosecutor to get payment for the check so it goes to the prosecutor the prosecutor looks at the check and has no information on there and all it is is maybe just a signature a name and you know it's 348 dollars they don't know who wrote the check they don't know if it's the owner they don't know if it's forged and they're not 
not going to waste their time. They're going to say, this is gone, and they're going to kick it out, and they're going to refuse to prosecute it. And so if that's the case, then we're out We're out that money right there. There's nothing we can do to get the money back unless we, of course, sue them, and mm-hmm. that's not going to happen. And so that's why it's so important to make sure we take the proper information to get all the information to the prosecutor for a hot check. And basically, a hot check, all it is is a check that didn't have enough money in the account mm-hmm. when it went through this, to the banking system. So then if the prosecutor is able to find the person who wrote the check, that money's just gone, like in the thin air? Yeah, it's um, lost money is what John Ring says. Mm, yeah. Sucks. How does the prosecutor get the money back for the victim in the case that they are scammed with a hot check and they're able to find the person who wrote it? So the person who wrote the hot check, most of the time it's unintentional. I'd say most of the time. Some people probably know it and they're trying to hopefully get enough money in there to cover it when it does go through. Mm. But they'll get arrested. And so oh. the prosecutor will get a warrant for their arrest and they'll be arrested for a hot check. It could be $2, it could be $10, whatever the amount is $300. And so then part of their restitution is that they pay the city back the money and then the city will write us a check for that. Mm, yeah. Okay. So, oh gosh, can you get arrested for a $2 hot check? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Dang. It's a class A misdemeanor. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Let's talk about the difference in hand keying credit cards versus swiping or using chip read. What is appropriate for associates to allow and why? Yeah, the, um, the credit card, again, is one of those funny things. If uh, Is there any kind of discrepancy whatsoever in the credit cards? Don't like it, they'll just gonna reverse it. And they have that power, they have that ability, they'll take the money back from us, and there's nothing we can do about it. So when somebody hand keys a credit card, that means the stripe on the backup is not working, and that means the chip is not working. There's a reason why we have those safety protocols on there, because it means it's a good card. It could be stolen, yes, and, and that's totally, that's part of business too. So if I steal your credit card, the chip will work and the stripe will work. But another way I steal your credit card is I'll steal your number off your card then I'll make my own card and I'll have some fake magnetic strip on there with a fake chip none of those work and you're like man and so you take this stolen credit card that's fake um, the chip won't work the stripe won't work and you say you're gonna have to hand key it in and the cashier's like okay I'll hand key it in well the number's gonna work because it's a good number it's a stolen number they don't know that and uh, so when we hand key any credit card win whatsoever if we get a charge back on it we lose it immediately it's like we don't even dispute it because um, you can't do that. That's not part of the safety protocol. It has to be chip read. It has to be swiped. You know, one of those two things. That means if the person now still has a credit card and they dispute it, we have some kind of leg to stand on sometimes, but most of the time we lose it regardless. So what happens if I take my legitimate credit card to Harps next door and I do the chip read, it's not working, so like, okay, try and swipe. The swipe isn't working and who knows why. So if I'm like, I don't know what's going on, can you just hand key it in? Are they allowed to do that? No, or absolutely not. Okay. Yeah, you say, I'm sorry, I got to have another form of payment. Okay. And you, guess who you can blame? Right here. Blame me. I'm sorry, loss prevention does not allow us to do this mm-hmm. because it, it's one of our policies. And there might be an exception in there somewhere down the road. So say you have the store manager and he knows this person personally and everything mm-hmm. else and he can vouch for him. He's a store manager. He can do that. That's that's yeah. part of you know, that's part of being a store manager. Um, I wouldn't recommend it, but um, if he so chooses to do that, then hey, that that's okay. He knows this person. They know it's a good account. They, they have an issue with the card. That, that'd be a one exception. Mm-hmm. But just some random person, the manager approving that? No, that's not their store. That's not their, they better get a hold of the store manager first and uh, get permission. Yeah. So we've discussed quite a bit of point of sale protocol today and fraud prevention for our associates to pay attention to when working the registers in our stores. But we haven't had a whole lot of time to talk about how creative scammers can really get. I know we've talked about the crazy things you've seen either over our camera systems or dealt with over the phone, but I'd love to do an entire episode about some of the less mainstream encounters that associates might have while working in our stores. So 
would you be open to coming on to a Q&A podcast episode sometime in the near future? Yeah, you can ask me anything you want. Okay. Um, there's a lot to talk about refunds to quick change artists. You know, of course, the bad checks. There's stolen credit cards. We buy a bunch of gift cards. I mean, it's just all different kinds of ways. Mm-hmm. If you guys have a question about anything at all, you can send them to Gracie, send them to me, whatever. We can answer them live. It doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. Anything. I think that would be a cool episode because I did do a Q&A with advertising where it was just general questions about the company, like pretty broad, and it ended up turning kind of goofy. Like people had, how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if woodchuck, mm-hmm. and we were like, fine, we'll answer it. You know, like yeah. we'll get funny with it. We'll ask AI what they think and like whatever. But I have people all the time come up to me and say like, so do you get to see the store cameras? Do you get to see this? Do you? Get? And I'm like, no, but I know the guy who does. And so they have questions. Mm-hmm. So does he do this? Has he ever seen this? What's the craziest, you know? that sort of thing and so um, I think that would be a really popular episode and we would get to talk about in-store scam artists and traveling con artists and shortchanging we were just talking about that in advertising this morning how when we worked I was never a, a, a harps employee like in the grocery store but I did work POS systems and like I waited tables and I worked at a pizza place once like I've done the whole like register thing and we were talking about how we hated when somebody would give us cash or something and we'd be like okay beep beep boop we'd put it in the thing and tell us how much change to give them and then they'd say oh I have a nickel put your nickel in your pocket Mm -hmm. like I don't want to have to redo this So, yeah, like people can scam that way, too, by trying to confuse you. And Well, that's the quick change artists, that's what they do. They'll, as you have the drawer open, right when the drawer opens up, they'll immediately hand you a 20. And say, can I get change for this? Then they might hand you two more 20s. Then they're like, oh, let me give this back to you. And, they'll, and they're, they're good. They're professionals. Mm-hmm. And that's that's when you close the drawer up and you say, um, I need to get a manager over here. And more than likely what they'll do is they'll walk away and they'll leave. They'll mm-hmm. know that you figured it out. Mm-hmm. And so you got someone who's trying to pressure you where they got that cash register open. You close it up and say, hold on, I can't give change here. I have to go to the customer service desk. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I've seen customers have the gall before to like try and reach over because they're getting frustrated. And I don't know if they were trying to be shortchanged or if they were just entitled customers. Mm-hmm. But I've seen them reach over the counter before and try and like reach in to the register for money themselves. Here, just let me do it. And I've seen it happen. And I'm like, who do you think you are? Just give them 30 seconds to figure it out. You know, if it's a high school student or something. So yeah, I mean, customers... Yeah, and we, we don't. Get crazy? I mean, you never want to give change to the register, anyways, because for one, it's bad customer service because you have people waiting possibly in the line waiting to get checked out. And you're mm-hmm. just like, oh, okay, here's a five and six and seven and eight. You know, it's like, no, go here. We do everything at the customer service desk. Mm-hmm. So that way we have time. We're not rushed. You know, there's no pressure of anybody coming up there and, you know, waiting to get their things scanned and, and get out of there. And, mm-hmm. and also at the same time, the cashier having to be pressured on, you know, giving change back and it could be the wrong change and everything. No, let's just go to the customer service desk, loss prevention their fault Mm -hmm. but it's a good good customer service too so yeah but on the recap on everything i was going to tell you that if people understand why we're doing what we're doing that's the key is that they have to understand because i think a lot of times when i was younger i didn't understand why we had to ask for id or why we confirm things and why do we have to match the id to the name what's the purpose of that Mm -hmm. you know there's a reason behind it and it's because uh, it protects harps and Mm -hmm. uh, getting the money back if it does become hot check or forward forgery or whatever the case may be yeah so if you don't know make sure you ask and if you ever have a policy that's in place and you're like why do we do this way ask and that's be maybe a good question on the question and answer thing yeah i'm gonna be honest when i waited tables i worked at a restaurant i worked at a lot of places where they just said no no check we're not we don't want to deal with it but I did work at one place where we would take checks but I had to do that I had to take their ID write down their address their their date of birth all the stuff that we talked about and I was 17 at the time and to me in the middle of a dinner rush and I was rushing around trying to get things done I was like why do I 
do I have to do this? And it was never explained to me. I did it because I'm like straight edge and I don't want to do anything wrong. But I didn't I didn't understand why. So now that I know why, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, makes, makes, sense. makes sense. And another hard part, again, is just that confrontation part. It's like, because you know the customer's like, oh, you don't believe who I am. And, you know, it's right. okay. And it, also, you might be time for, press for time, everything else, because there's someone else coming in. You don't want to, I don't want to inconvenience somebody else. I'm like, now got to write this information down. And it's just part of it. Mm-hmm. And um, especially with the check, because, I mean, this is 2023. Nobody uses checks anymore, except for <laughs> if you're over 80. And that's the majority of people who I see is older generation and the younger mm-hmm. generation that is, usually theft i mean it's it's not their it's not their checks and, listen uh, i'm just elderly at heart <laughs> okay i actually don't use checks all that often yeah i wouldn't think you did no i yeah. do occasionally you need one. not occasionally you don't use checks okay it's been a few years but i have uh-huh. used checks i have used them yeah well, i remember when i was a kid i used to think i was cool well oh, i'm writing a check yeah this is awesome Oh, yeah. When I first got, I was 16 or 15, How, however old I was when I got a, a debit card and a checkbook and everything, because my mom works at a bank. So it was important to her that I know how to balance a checkbook and I know how to do all of those things. And so at first, instead of just using my card, I'd be like, here, let me write you a check. And I felt very like adult, very sophisticated. And now, I mean, it's just easier not to, but you never know. You might need to. Yeah. Um, I, I can't see where and why, but yeah, maybe, maybe there's a reason down there somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe at like farmer's markets. Sometimes they don't take, I don't know, a card and you don't have cash. And so you write them a check. Yeah, I don't know. I've never been to that one, I guess. I'm trying to be devil's advocate. Sorry. I'm done. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Do you have anything else to share today about what we talked about, the hot checks and point of sale 101? No, just make sure you understand the difference between, you know, why don't we take credit cards? Who cares? It's it's a form of payment, you know, and you don't see all the chargebacks that we get on a daily basis. I mean, it's over, it's a ton of them. We get them all the time because it's not their money or it is their money, the bank's money, and they're going to, they're going to reverse it. Someone disputes it. So, mm-hmm. but if you, remember, if you have any questions about anything at all, you can always call me. I'm always available. Cool. Yeah. And I will link my email in the description. I can link yours too, if you want. Okay. But if y'all have any questions for Travis, or if you have questions about really anything that has to do with store protocol, you can send them in and we'd love to do a Q&A episode with Travis and just kind of see what we can answer for y'all and even if you have fun questions like what's the craziest thing you've seen on the camera systems or like that sort of thing I know that people have asked me that before they've probably asked you and so we can maybe answer some of those as well so check out my email and his email in the description below and we'll see y'all next week all right thanks Chrissy Thanks for hopping on today, Travis. If you're still listening, we hope you enjoyed today's episode about hot checks and point of sale 101 in the retail industry. To learn more about this subject, check out the description below for more information and be sure to submit any questions or comments to the email linked in the show notes. Don't forget to follow us at the Hometown Fresh channel and tune in next week for another great episode.